Hello, race fans, and welcome to this latest edition of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. I am Bice, and I'm joined by my partner, Paul Carruthers, who is communications manager for Moto America. Hi, Paul. Hey, how are you, Sean? I'm doing well. Um, I've got to start with a little bit of a story this week. First of all, we're going to have Matthew Skoltz on, and the story I'm going to tell, uh, which I think is entertaining, and probably I will be the only one to feel that way, but... Um, Heck, if I enjoy it, I, I guess I'll be doing okay. Um, but it, it'll relate to Matthew a little bit, and it won't immediately be understood why it relates to him, but but uh, we'll get it at some point along the way. So so uh, let me start this story. First of all, um, Paul, since you are originally from Australia, you may know this, but what do you know what a kudu is? A kudu? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. No. The, other reason, the other reason I thought you might know what a kudu is is because – Something you and I have never talked about, but you, when you lived in San Diego and your mom and dad do, I mean, heck, you you live in the city that has the world famous San Diego Zoo. So I thought there might be a kudu. I bet there is a kudu in their collection there. It's a, it's a, it's an antelope, um, which uh, is kind of odd that the Western song about the deer and the antelope playing, because there aren't really antelope that I know of in the U.S. It, they're more in other countries, but uh, a kudu is a particular kind of antelope that, that, resides in South Africa. And so this is the beginning of my story. South Africans have a game called Bokdral Spoog. Have you ever heard of that, Paul? <laughs> I, I have I have not. Okay. Well, here's, here's what the game is or the sport is. So kudu are very elusive creatures. You, uh, you, you don't often see them, but you see their you see evidence of them everywhere, I guess, when you're out in the bush or whatever, and it, they're droppings. And kudu's, kudu droppings are kind of like little, almost like cocoa, cocoa puff kind of things. Um, and so Bokdral Spoog is actually known as kudu dung spitting. It's a sport where you pick up a pellet, which is one of these droppings, and you try to see how far you can spit it. And it's a it's an actual sport which Afrikaners play it a lot in South Africa, of which Matthew isn't necessarily an Afrikaner. He's there. It's Afrikaners are obviously a certain part uh, region or type of uh, people in South Africa, but but Matthew is from an area of South Africa where it's pretty a pretty popular sport, and there's like world records. Somebody somebody spit one of these things fifty one feet. So it's a big, big time competition, and uh, yeah. Okay, wait, all wait, about wait, wait. So, so you're <laughs> spitting shit. Yeah, you pick up these little pellets, which literally it's it's antelope poop, but it's in these little tiny pebble things, and you, yeah, you put one in your mouth, and you literally you see how far you can spit it. And I think if they sit there long enough, they kind of dry out. So maybe it's not so bad. But yeah, I don't know who put, who got it in their mind to put one of those in their mouth. But, well, you, but might it's, be, uh, you might be pretty good at that because you're spitting some shit right now. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's exactly it. So so we're we're gonna have Matthew on. Uh, Paul, why don't you introduce him, and then we'll ask Matthew about how much he's how, what his record is for how far he spit one of these if he's ever done it. So go ahead, go ahead. Well, Matthew Skoltz is obviously one of my, I, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> no, I thought my mouth full of shit. How are you doing, Matthew? Let's just bring you in and we'll, we'll okay, talk okay. to you. Okay. And... Just to 
just to set the record on the uh, straight here, I promise you, I've not been putting buck feces in my mouth and spitting them <laughs> recently. <laughs> it's it's funny, Matthew. I've never talked to you about that before. I don't think, but I have talked to your dad about it. Now you're familiar with the sport, am I right? I have heard of people doing something similar, but yeah, I'll just stick to stick to riding motorbikes and I'm not spitting buck feces. <laughs> it, it's it's actually believe it or not it's a big sport in your province which is i think it's kwazulu natal isn't that what you're kzn yes, yes yeah yes. KZN, yeah apparently they have huge festivals where this goes on so you might want to get in on that when next time you go back home i think i think you and kiara would be pretty good at it I'll maybe just, i don't know uh, leave that to the uh locals <laughs> sean <laughs> I mean, where do you come up with this stuff I, you know, I, I was watching some show. I think it was like one of those nature shows like, um, you know, uh, Jack, uh, why can't I know? The guy's from actually Columbus. Jack, uh, you know, um, he's got that show about animals. Anyway, he talked about going to South Africa and this sport that they have. And he, he actually did it himself. So uh, it was pretty bizarre. But I mean, Matthew, you know what a kudu is, I'm sure, don't you? Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> but, but that's as much as you want to know yeah no, I'll, I mean it's a, a very popular buck to make Boltong from oh to make Sorry, oh God, to make what my headphones out of my, out of my ear here but yeah I mean Kudu are very well known to make very, very good Boltong and they hunted very often back home but they are huge huge, huge yeah if they look they look pretty big and they they do they crap a lot too um, so that's, well, my, that's, my that's they don't want to have yeah. a shortage in the sport. Oh no, you got to have. So, so that's all we need to say about that. Let's, let's move on and talk to Matthew about racing in Moto America. Um, so go ahead, Paul, you can start if you want. Well, Matthew, um, obviously we're, we're, we're getting very excited for the new season and I'm sure you are too. You're, you're, you're back in, you're, are you in Georgia now? Yes, yeah. I, I got you towards the end of uh, February. So just been getting settled in and training and, you know, got one more test coming up uh, next week, uh, Tuesday. So really just, just looking forward to, to getting back on the Superbike. Now, the main thing for you this offseason with the testing and stuff has been the new electronics, correct? Yes, yeah. I mean, last year we just had a um, Yamaha kit box, and you know, fortunately for me, this year the Westby guys really stepped up and they 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 got the um, um Morelli system, and you know, things are just really really complicated. So it's going to take us a couple of days just to get things sorted out. But you know, we've got a brilliant team. You know, we hired Herschel to to kind of take care of the um the electronic side and. You know, it's been it's been really positive so far. I mean, we've I can definitely feel big, big um, improvements on the bike. So, I think it's just kind of getting everything uh, fine tuned, and yeah, we should be good to go when the first race rolls around on April fifth. You know, it's funny, Matthew. I talked to your crew chief Ed Sullivan about this, and I know last year you kind of lamented the fact that you didn't have those electronics because it obviously is, is a bit of a game changer in super bike, especially when you're at the sharp end of the stick, like you are. Um, so I, I know that it was something you really wanted and they stepped up and delivered it for you this year. But from what I heard, the first test that you had, Ed felt like, yeah, it sure is the proof of concept because it really made a difference in you. 
And and I heard one of the big areas that it helped you is is a, an area that's a bit of an Achilles heel with you, which is your starts off the line. Can can you talk about that a little bit? What you were struggling with before and how this may help? Yeah, you know, obviously just doing a couple of laps out of the the kit box that we had last year was was really good for us. But just uh, unfortunately, when the last couple of laps came um, around, I felt that it really hindered our performance slightly. But I've got to say a huge thank you to the Westby team and to Trig. You know, they they definitely listened to me and they got to the, the new system, which I felt is going to really propel us forward. You know, so it's it's been very very positive so far but i can see how you can get lost using this system there's so many different things that you can change so we just got to keep our uh, heads uh, down and just carry on working hard but like you said sean last year my starts were terrible you know i qualified on the first or second row a couple of times and in the, the first corner i'm sitting in 10th 11th 12th kind of thing you know and Unfortunately, this year, the field is so, so stacked with brilliant riders, fast guys, you know, Gagne coming back from the Superbikes, the two Yosh guys, the two Graves guys, you got Lewis. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that if you don't start out front and the front guys pull that gap, you're never going to catch them. So I'm just really happy that we're working hard to kind of fix those areas that we struggled in last year. That's cool. Hey, I want to go back. Let's go back in time a little bit because um, – I think it's interesting and a lot of people don't know that like a lot of you, you, you made friends with a lot of the guys that you race with now way back as a kid in, in rookies cup. Um, who, who, who exactly, you know, would, would our listeners know that, that you raced with back then? Well, I went to the Red Bull rookies cup in 2008 and Bobier was actually there from 2007. So, you know, through the 2007 season, I was kind of watching every single race looking and, you know, Cameron Bobier was obviously one of the foster guys. So, And then 2008, when I got to the Rookies Cup, he was in the 125 GP team with Mark Marquez. So I kind of met the Bobier then. Um, Gagne, I mean, J.D. Beach was there 2008 when I got there. And then 2009, um, Hayden Gillum, Jake Gagne, Benny Solis, a couple of guys who came over to the European Series. So that was really cool. It's actually... Um, so when I moved to this championship at the end of 2016 i kind of had you know friends here and also myself and jake gagne were moto two teammates in the spanish championship in the 2011 season so you know fortunately for me i had uh, friends moving here so it, it was really easy to fit in yeah it gotta make it's gotta make it easier you come here and you, you see some familiar faces yeah for sure and in addition to just in addition to sean's <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, Matthew, beyond the Moto America riders, I mean, there were a lot of riders who are in Moto Two, Moto GP now that were uh, with you during that Rookies Cup. Can you tell us about some of those guys? That some of those names? Oh, I mean, there were a couple of guys. You know, um, Louis Salam, who unfortunately passed a couple of years back. There, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a few guys. Uh, Zarko was there in 2007. Yeah. You know, He's not racing in MotoGP. I, I can't really think of too many guys off the, the top of my head, but it really seems that quite a few of the Rookie Cup guys have really spread out and they're racing at the top, top level um, around the world somewhere. You know, so I think that, so I think that, that really gave me a good racing background growing up, you know, because I, I spent three years there and uh, I think that that taught me a, 
a hell of a, 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 a lot, you know, racing on the different European series. And then in 2008, we had the Europe versus the American guy shoot out at the Indianapolis circuit. So, you know, riding in the Rookies Cup really taught me so, so much, you know, and just, you know, traveling to the different circuits and racing with the world's best guys. And I think that really stepped up my uh, racing level. When you went there, didn't you also, what, didn't Brad Binder go with that year too from your country? Yes, uh, I think Binder got there in 2009. And, oh, you know, okay. Yeah, and to me, I definitely think that he's the main guy to win the Moto2 Championship this year. So that'll be cool if we see the South African flag flying on, on, the, on top of the Moto2 class. That'll be cool, yeah. I was going to ask you, since you did ride with all those guys as, as when they were kids and you were a kid, um, did, which one of those guys stood out to you as 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 the fastest guy? And I mean, it doesn't have to be the guy that's the fastest now, but who, who at that point in time, when you're a kid and you're on the grid with these other guys, which one of those guys that you mentioned was the guy to beat? Well, I mean, when I got there in 2008, I think it was actually J.D. Beach won the Red Bull, Red Bull Rookie Cup title that year, you know? So obviously I was looking up to J.D. being like, you know, this is the guy that... I need to be like to actually win the Rookies Cup, you know, and then now we we both racing in the um, Moto America Superbike class of this year, you know, and so I think it's going to be really, really cool. You know, he's a brilliant rider, you know, same as every guy here racing in the Superbike class. So this year is going to be a hell of a dogfight, but I'm looking forward to it. Matthew, we've talked uh, to Jake Lewis about this a little bit, but, you know, you you obviously aren't quite as tall as, as Jake, but um, you, you're, you're a big guy. I, I jokingly call you a Power Ranger because you look like one of my son's Power Rangers when he, from, when he was a kid, and I you know you used to play with him too, so um, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, you know, I have this funny photo that I love to look at from time to time with you standing next to Tony because you guys are good friends, obviously. And you, your stature is quite different from him. Do you think that that comes into play at all? Do you, does the does the bike feel small to you? And do you think it's better to be smaller or to be your size uh, to to handle a, a super bike? What's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, I definitely think that being taller has its has its advantages and its disadvantages. You know, obviously coming off the corner, I do lose out slightly, but I feel that in the flip flops and in the braking zone, I can can definitely make up make up time. You know, and with my longer lanky legs, I, I feel that I have more um leverage riding the bike. But you know, I've I've always been a relatively taller taller guy. You know, so I'm just used to 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 just you know riding on motorbikes and just being bigger than everyone else you know but i'm a skinny guy so i don't think it makes too too much difference talk to me about the the coming season obviously the electronics has stepped up you've already proven that you can win races against these guys at least in the rain and you're competitive i mean every week you say you get these starts start straight it out starts sorted out god my english is horrible i'm starting to sound like i'm a south african <laughs> with a mouth <laughs> i got a mouthful of hulu crap or something i don't know <laughs> kudu but, uh, kudu kudu <laughs> anyhow so it, when you when you get started in this championship how how important is it to get off to a good start because i know like like last year, for example, Cameron got off to a horrible start and he really had to gain some momentum in the second half of the series. And luckily it kind of switched with with Tony. But from that first race forward, how important is it to just really get get a leg up on people? 
You know, I think that with how strong the field is this year, you know, I think if you slip up um, slip up once, it's gonna it's gonna really cost you. And I think everyone's uh, times and speed are really close, so you gotta always make sure that you're on the ball. And you know, unfortunately, last year I put the bike down a couple of times, so that didn't work out too too well. But you know, what I mean, you gotta start off on the right foot and it kind of sets your your year right for you and I, or else it turns into a, a slight panic but and I, th I think that consistency is going to be a big big thing this year yeah i mean you you really can't afford to have dnfs right yeah no for, for sure you, you know even if you're finishing fourth or, or fifth you know at least you picking up you know serious points rather than ending up in the gravel trap it's funny, Matthew, um, Paul talked about last year and really, man, the first race of the season at Road Atlanta, you got to Super Pole. So you you actually got your first Super Pole in your first race technically on a on a superbike in that class. So uh, you, you did get off to a good start last year, certainly in qualifying. Um, did that, thinking back to then, did that surprise you to get out of the gate that quick and well? Yeah, for sure. You know, um I've always been relatively good on the qualifying part. I feel that if I have a grip, that I can be one of the fastest guys. You know, so last year the qualifyings were definitely one of my strongest suits. You know, so I think this year we we got to just work more on the consistency throughout the whole um the race pace. But I mean, it, it was really special last year to have my family out and to qualify first for for my my first ever superbike race. And you know it 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 really su surprised me, but you know I think that we were on a very good footing, um, rolling rolling into the two two thousand eighteen season. You know we had a pretty similar bike that we had in the superstar class in two thousand seventeen. So we knew that the bike was kind of nearing its peak performance, and I think that everyone else was 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 still trying to work out their settings and getting their bikes right. So what do you, Matthew, what do you think of when you think back to Road at America last year? And I, I, this is a loaded question. I want to just leave it at that and see what you say about it. Do you, do you look back at that round fondly or what, what do you think about that, that race? <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. I was on the struggle bus all weekend long there. You know, um, it didn't help that we had a test in Virginia about two weeks prior and, uh, Half-sided my brains out and broke my foot, and I didn't really, really go to the doctor. Um, so I just rocked up there, and I was hurt, injured. The new tire wasn't gelling well, so it was just a nightmare, nightmare weekend for me. And you know, I put it down in the first and second race. You know, first race was just me being silly. I kind of tucked the, the front trying to catch up to. I think it was uh, Roger or maybe Gerlach, and then the second heat. You know, I, I was just kind of panicking slightly. You know, I could tell that the front three or four four guys were starting to death me. And I just came came into the third third last corner and had a massive massive high side. You know, and it was a little bit silly. You know, rather than just settling for a fifth sixth kind of thing and taking taking points. You know, I just felt that I had to be contending for the podium in every single race. And you know, maybe that's the wrong attitude. You know, and I kind of and I really have to um apologize to the team for that. You know, but. As long as you learn from your from your mistakes and then you move forward, you should be fine. 
Well, I mean, I actually bring that up for a reason. And let me just say, it, it was a bit of a turning point for you, not in, a, not in a good way. And I know a lot of it had to do with that rear tire, that re- larger rear tire that kind of caught you out and had some issues with. But I want to ask you about this because, again, I spoke with um, with Ed Sullivan, your crew chief, about this. And he feels that even with the early testing that you've done, that the electronics have, have probably helped with that rear tire issue, as well as the fact that you're more acclimated to it uh, with right racing on it for several rounds. But he thinks that the, the electronics is really going to make a difference for that. Do you, do you feel that? Did you, have you had enough laps to feel that with that tire? Well, I mean, I probably spent about three or four months off of a super bike. So we went to Jennings and had two days there and that was more just making sure that everything worked well and the bike was running fine. And then we went to, I think it's PBIIR on the Sunday and we worked on engine braking there. But I mean, I think it was a really positive couple of days for us. You know, um, not just with, with us changing to the, um, the Morelli software and getting that dialed in, but also getting the new um, Suta swing arm, I think that was quite a big step forward for us. You know, it kind of it kind of brings the old feeling back that I I had using the older, smaller Dunlop Dunlop rear tire. You know, um, once we changed to the taller one last year, I kind of lost my 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 feeling of coming out of the corners, and I wasn't sure of where the rear tire was, and always felt like it was super low coming out of corners and it was just, you know, one second I was, everything was perfectly fine. The, the next second I was completely sideways out of the seat. And, you know, it, it kind of got a, a little bit scary towards the end. But we obviously worked really hard and we, we made things better. But I think with the new software system and the pseudo swing arm, I think it kind of brings back that old confident feeling that we had. So I'm I'm really looking forward to I'll, I'll test next week, next week, Tuesday, and then we've got two more days after that, and hopefully we'll be dialed in for the first race coming up. Hey, what? how nice of it is, Sean, to just bring up your worst weekend? <laughs> I mean, I, who, do, who does yeah. that to somebody? I don't get it. I mean, I understand the stories about the freaking antelopes and stuff, but I don't know why you just bring that up, Sean. You know, I, it was kind. Of, it was kind of trying to move. It was kind of trying to set up the idea that Matthew was going to say, "Well, yeah, I mean, that changed for us, but uh, it was a challenge that we faced, and now we're onward and upward, and you know, we've we've solved it." And because really, Ed Ed told me that he said he felt like even in the little limited amount of testing you guys have done, that you know, you it's not a, it's not a fact that rear tire is not a, a non factor for you anymore. He he told me that. I don't know if you completely feel that way matthew but he certainly does so um it's good that your crew chief believes that for sure um but that's why i brought it up well i mean our second day out on the new software we were as quick as we were last year when our bike was at its absolute peak you know what i mean so we only moving moving forward you know and i think that that's going to really be a good point for us this year is that i feel that most of the other teams have they just looking for little bits here, little bits there, whereas me and the Westby team are taking big, big strides forward, you know. So I'm really looking forward to actually getting out on track with the rest of the guys and comparing it to them. You know, unfortunately, this year we don't have a testing date, so we won't be able to see how the other guys are doing until we get to, to the first round. But, you know, things are looking really, really positive for us. And I think that out of every team there, we, we have the most to gain. 
You know, you, it's probably tough for somebody from South Africa to consider any of the tracks your home track. But since you do live in Georgia and a lot of the team is located in Georgia, do you feel like Road Atlanta is kind of a home track for you? Uh, it's definitely a home track in the sense that it's the closest to me. But it's it's not a home track in the sense that we have tests there or or I go there often. You know, this will only be my third time there, you know this year and I went there first time 2017 and that was where we actually won our first superstock um, uh, race and then last year the season started off brilliantly for me there so hopefully we can just uh, bring home a couple a couple decent um, uh, results and just start off the season strong and carry on moving forward from there. Yeah so that's the thing I mean you actually have done well there winning races in Super Bowl and and all that. So even though you haven't had a lot of laps there, is there do you like do you like Road Atlanta the layout of the track? Is there something about it with the elevation that uh suits you? Yeah, I mean definitely. I, I think that it's pretty I think that the the first section is pretty pretty similar to some of the tracks back home, how it's very tight and technical and you kind of have to use a lot of um upper body strength to go through the flip flop sections. And then, you know, when you're coming down to I think it's turn turn 10 it's a really hard breaking zone and into the final corner you know i think that's that that's really one of my uh, um stronger points of my riding you know all the hard breaking zones and the flip-flops you know i think that the road the atlanta track really really suits me in that sense you know and last year i felt that we lost a lot of time down the down the back straight but you know obviously i can't give out numbers here but we found quite a bit more horsepower and torque. So I'm looking forward to it. Really, really looking looking forward to it. Bouncing back to last year again real quick. Um, it's no secret that, that you were in line for that Yoshimura Suzuki ride. Did that, did that add any pressure? Because it seemed like it was, you know, there was three or four guys that were, were, it seemed like competing for that ride, you know, virtually the entire season. And it, did that weigh on you at all? Yeah, I mean, definitely. <laughs> no matter what anyone says, how could you not think about it? You know, it was the Yoshimura factory ride, and, you know, obviously it's a very coveted ride, and everyone wants to be there. But, I mean, obviously I did think about it from, from time to time, but once you get to the racetrack, you kind of put all, all those things behind you and just concentrate on your job at hand there. You know, Matthew, it's no secret that it's no secret that in the off season, um, Chuck uh, Giacchetto, the team manager, had mentioned this that you guys were possibly looking at some other other brands to ride on, maybe Aprilia, maybe Ducati, and you went back to Yamaha. Um, what what were your views on that? Were you interested in trying another bike? Did you want to have some, you know, maintain the familiarity and and kind of add the electronics to a bike that you had and see how that went? Where where did that whole thing sit with you? I mean, you know, that's not really my my uh, business. You know, I'm just a guy who, who 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 hops on and just rides. You know, but whatever the guys give me, I'll just ride my absolute best. But you know, I, I think that we were trying to trying to look for some factory support. You know, which would, would have been really cool. And unfortunately, I don't think that it worked out. But you know, we just kind of thought that you know, stick with the bikes that that we know we have a really good base set up for it. So. You know, and we knew probably with about three or four rounds that we were getting the Morelli system. So, I was, like, 
we were confident all the way, but it, it's very, very nice to be back on the Yamaha brand. I, I really love it. It's actually the only super bike that I, I've been on since 2015, 16, you know, so Yamaha ha, have been really, really good to us and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back w with them in the 2019 season. And and you wrote an R uh, an R one in the Super GP Championship in your home country that you won the championship in in South Africa, correct? Yes, actually in 2015 I started off riding the older model bike because they hadn't brought in uh, enough of the newer R ones at that point. So halfway through 2015, got on the newer model, and you know I've been on that bike ever since then. And, you know, things have been, over the last couple of years, you know, 2016 won the South African Superbike Championship, 2017 won the, the Stock 1000 Championship here, last year finished fourth and got rookie of the season. So, you know, it's been really, really positive and I'm thankful to be back on a Yamaha this year. But I have a quick question. When when looking through your uh, your bio that, that uh, actually Sean was nice enough to send me, I mean, you, you, I know you're a good motocrosser now, and you obviously had a lot of motocross success when you were young. What, what made you decide to, to, to make the switch to road racing? Uh, I mean, when I first started doing motocross, um, I actually kind of thought that road racing was for sissies because there were no jumps. But, you know, right. I, I was just, a, I was just <laughs> a kid then, you know, and then I think when I was about maybe 12 or 13, um, you know those pit bikes, the, the 125 or the 110 little pit bikes that, that came out a couple of years back, they actually started a super motor championship back home, you know, and first year out, I, I actually won that, and on the dirt, it seemed that I was pretty similar speed to everyone else, and then once we got onto the tar, I really seemed to be quite a lot quicker there, so one of the guys, uh, Rod Gray back home, who was a a um ex national national champion, suggested that I try out one of the road bikes, and I wasn't really that keen on the whole thing. And you know, we went to a couple of practice practice sessions, and it seemed cool, you know, but I wasn't really interested. And then went to my first race at the famous Valcom track back home, where they used to host MotoGP rounds, and just the whole sense of slipstreaming and braking and banging elbows it was absolutely crazy and i've just absolutely loved it since then you know and <laughs> road racing's been 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 my game since then you know i've just absolutely loved the whole concept of the the speed and braking and you know just 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 being super close to the guys riding at 100 and you know 80 miles per hour kind of thing but you still ride a lot of moto for training matthew tell us about you you uh, what what a typical day during the off season is like for you. I think you do a little bit of gym. You do run run moto. Tell us about from the time you get up till you go to bed. What that's like. Well, I mean, normally you 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 can leave you out know. the good bits if you want. Well, his girlfriend his girlfriend Kiara is back in South Africa right now, so I think he can tell us the whole deal right now. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <Or not. laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, normally just wake up, have breakfast, do go to gym, you know, just focus on core and strength training, and then maybe in the afternoon I'll go do a run or a cycle, a little cardio, and you know, otherwise take out the motocross bike. But you know, I think uh, this year I've I really stepped up my training program. I'm not just working on fitness; I'm actually working on my mental prep 
preparation and um speed drills and artists and you know just being more um mentally mentally ready and and focused and doing reaction uh, tests and stuff so you know i I think that i'm uh, at the peak of, of where i've been before you know so things are, are looking good you know not just the the bike is getting better but i feel that i'm also getting better myself and i don't know if you're still doing this matthew but i know last year you were working with ken hill are you still doing some stuff with him um we we haven't actually met up uh, this year but uh, i'm sure at the track that we'll speak and stuff you know he was a real big help last year to me he came and helped me me focus to uh he came and helped me focus before some of the uh, the races and gave me really good advice and stuff you know and I actually have to to thank the ridiculous crew last year. They actually brought me out to one of their training camps, and they helped me there. You know, trying to help with my riding position and so on. You know, so you know Ken and the Rick crew, they were they were a quite a big help last year. You know, and I've got to thank them both. Without giving too much away, trade secrets. What 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 did they change? You said riding position. Did they did they do you ride differently now after spending some time with those guys? No, you know, more just small things like using the outside leg and putting it putting it uh, against the tank to sort of help the bike tip in quicker and stuff like that. You know, just just little little things to to try to help you out slightly. You know, because I kind of get into this really bad habit of charging corners too too hard, and then I I lose drive and coming out. You know, so they are really worked on trying to um helped me focus on the exit of the corner so it was a quite a a different um mindset to me so you're one of these riders that when you go into a corner you you actually hang your your leg out uh do you did you always do that did you start doing that because of ken hill did they try to stop you from doing that what's the situation with that that dragging that hanging that leg out I have no clue, Sean. I just ride, <laughs> and just sometimes it just naturally come comes out, and I'm I'm not even really conscious of myself doing it, you know. But <laughs> I, I think it's just more of a balance thing, you know, more to me because you know sometimes when the bike starts backing in lots, you know, and you kind of um the rear starts to feel like it's getting further and further from you, you know. I feel that if I, I put my leg out, it kind of brings the bike back in and it gives you more feel of the handlebars, you know, but I mean, each to their own, you know, some of the MotoGP guys keep their legs out. Some guys, some guys don't, you know, so I guess just whatever works for you. Well, it is funny. And I want to ask Paul this question, Paul. So, uh, you know, your dad, Cal raced, uh, and I don't, did he ever race and drag a knee? Was he in the area era before that? Did he transition? And what does he say? Because I know he watches a lot of MotoGP and certainly Moto America as well. Does he think it's odd about these riders sticking their leg out? And did he ever drag a knee? Can you tell us about that? I don't think he would have dragged a knee. I think he was right on the cusp of that because obviously he was, you know, he worked with Kenny Roberts and, and got him going. But it was a little bit after that that Kenny Roberts actually started dragging his knee, you know. So it's not like that's something that dad brought into the thing. Because um, I think, you know, obviously when he raced, the tires, and et cetera, I mean, it wasn't, it, you know, the lean angles. The lean angles were pretty impressive when you look at back at those old bikes, but it wasn't the same to. I mean, you know, back then men were men, you know, looking at photos <laughs> and videos and stuff, those guys were crazy, you know, and I didn't really look back into motorcycle 
history that much, but you know, the Barber Museum that we go to, you know, that was really cool to actually go and look at the old photos and videos and the bikes that these guys ran. You know, I've got thicker bicycle tires than those guys ran on their bikes back then, you know, and, you know, kudos. Yeah, and drum brake. And men were, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, fortunately for us these days, you know, I think safety is one of the, the, the biggest aspects of the organizers. And, and I think that that's really, really great. You know, um, you know I think that the Moto America Championship have chosen tracks that they feel are very safe. And, you know, that that's a really good uh, point, you know, to always uh, make sure that the guys are, are safe. You know, obviously, motorbike racing is a very dangerous sport, you know, but you want to make it as safe as you possibly can. Fortunately, these days, you know, we got really good, really good full face helmets, leathers, you know, sand traps and stuff. So as dangerous as it is, it's as safe as it can get. Yeah, well, I mean, people always ask my dad, like, how come, how did he go his whole career with, he only broke his wrist and that was like when he was 16. But they, they always ask him, like, how did you do that without crashing? But back then, you just you didn't do it because the bad things were going to happen. I mean, you didn't there wasn't any margin for error. And if you crashed, chances are you're going to get badly hurt or killed. And, you know, oh, yeah. it's hard to feed the kids the next week if you can't race. So that was, you know, that it was a different era and a different time. But, um, yeah, so so huge differences there. I don't know what he thinks about the leg dangle. I mean, he loves MotoGP, and he probably thinks it's like anything else. It's just part of the game, and things have evolved. And if it works, it works. So he's just he just can't believe like you know the lean angle now. It's like well, you know when you when you watch Mark Marquez crash, he he basically crashes two or three inches below sides because that's <laughs> how low he is to the ground. So it's like it's not it's not a big deal. And he's got it down to uh, he's perfected the art of of almost crashing on purpose sometimes to just kind of find where the limit is, I guess. Good point. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think like you've seen, yeah, I mean, I think you've seen that the guys now can, I mean, the box are so, so quick, you know, we're getting speeds up to 190, 90 miles, you know what I mean? And the guys crash and they stand up and they're perfectly fine. But if you look at the box, it's all mangled and in pieces and, tangled up you know what i mean so it's 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 really really cool to see how far things are, have come as far as safety goes that the the way your mannerisms are i mean you're like like if i was to describe you to somebody i would say oh man he's like the most low-key guy in the paddock he's really chill do, do you do you do you ever i mean is when you're racing and stuff do you maintain that same chill or do you are you like frazzled or what what's the difference there do you, are you the same Ah, shit in my pants. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just racing. Eh? I mean, you've got to be you know, scared. Yeah, you have to be, you know, nervous. You know? But it's but it's kind of how you deal with being scared and nervous and putting all, all those feelings. You know, what I mean, it's I mean, if you someone who says that you're not scared when you go out and you ride your bike, when you're either crazy or you're not pushing hard. But I think it's just kind of how you how you work with that and how you take it from there. You know what I mean? But I mean, I've been really racing bikes since I was seven. You know what I mean? It's all part of the game and you, you learn how to deal with those emotions, you know? And I think that motorbike racing is one of 
those sports one second you so angry you are punching the pit wall the next second you crying because you had a terrible qualifying next second you doing backflips off the podium you know what i mean right yeah matthew i mean since paul brought this up i'm gonna have to go back and ask you another question about road america road america because that was the angriest I've ever seen you. And you know what I'm talking about. When you went, when you were off the track and you wanted to get back in, and I think you calmed down after and everything was fine, but were you, were you pretty upset with yourself? I mean, was that really one of the maddest you've ever been, or at least, you know, you showed it that way, it seemed? Oh, no, definitely. You know, I mean, I crashed out of the first race, so the second race came and was a little bit like, you know, just be calm, don't do anything stupid. And I did something, something stupid and crashed out, you know, and, I didn't really, really care too, too much about myself. You know, I mean, I was more, more worried about letting the team down. You know, and I was, you know, once I had sort of gathered myself after crashing, I just wanted to go and see how the bike was, if I could pick, pick it up and maybe carry on. But the marshals were kind of shouting and telling me that, that I can't touch the bike, and they were trying to hold me back. And you know, I'm really sorry, but I kind of like, you know gave the guy a, a, a little push because all I was thinking of was picking up the bike and getting back out there. But, you know, once I calmed down afterwards, I kind of said sorry and, you know, knew that it was completely my fault. You know what I mean? But I just think in those times, emotions are very, very high. Well, just, just, knowing, just knowing how, to us, even keeled you are, I mean, we knew... We, we were all gutted for you because we knew how upset you were. And then we saw that and we were like, we, we all love the fact that you went, made a point to go back and kind of pat the corner worker on the back and kind of apologize to him. And the fact that you got a little bit of the red mist and you were just wanting to get back in there. And, and uh, we thought you were quite the gentleman, actually, uh, when, it, when everything came to the end of that moment. But um, it, was, it was an interesting look into your character anyway, how, uh, how much it means to you to be out there. So it's cool. No, I mean, that was good. I mean, for sure, you know, those corner workers, you know, it's not their fault that you crashed, you know, but when they're telling you that you can't pick up the bike, you know, emotions run very, very high. But, you know, while we're on that subject, I have to actually thank, you know, all organizers and the corner workers and stuff, you know, because because without them, we wouldn't be able to get out on the, the, the track. So, you know, thank you to them, really. You know why? You know why he apologized, right? <laughs> so, he, so he, that they let him back in next time. Well, the thing is, like, yeah, the thing is, it's like if he doesn't apologize, he gets fired. He goes back home and he's shit. He's spitting out kudu shit. <laughs> <laughs> Something he's never done. Hey, no, so speaking of back. <laughs> speaking, yeah, they'll probably by now they probably have professional uh, kudu spitting contests, but. Uh, so, Matthew, speaking of South Africa, I want to ask you about one thing, and it's the new TV. And particularly, uh, I guess we can focus probably on the streaming stuff. But I, I know from your racing in Europe, you've got a lot of fans over there. Um, certainly, you have a lot of fans back in your home country. There's Andre Laubscher, I think is his name, the photographer who comes over and actually yes. goes to three or four of our rounds because he loves you so much and likes to take photos. You know, I know that these – Tell us about, from your perspective as a person from another country with a lot of fans and family back home, you know, are they going to be able to watch this streaming? What does this mean to them to be able to see this? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I've got a ton of friends back home that always ask me how they can, can watch the races and stuff. And you know, unfortunately, last year, BN, BN Sports was only a U.S. channel. 
So it was really hard for, for them to get on. But with this new TV package that the guys have, and I think it's called ViewLift, right? Uh, the new app that they, they have coming out. And I think it's going to really be a big game, a big game, game changer for the series, you know, because people from 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 all over the world can actually watch it, you know, and that doesn't just only bring more interest and it brings in sponsors and brings in money, you know. So, no, I, I think that the the from what I've heard, you know, the sort of sport took a pretty big dive around 2013-14, but I think that the that, that that the Motor America Group are really bringing things back, you know, and they've they've obviously put in lots of lots of money to make sure that we have a good TV package and and everything. So, you know, things are looking good as far as the championship and motorcycle racing in this country goes. Well, Sean, well, I've got a question a for you. Spot to end. Oh, go ahead. Come on. Bring it. I, bring I got it. one question for you. Got one question for you, Paul. And actually, I don't even know if you can answer this, so I'm going to throw it out, out here. Uh, we've been getting a lot of comments, and you've probably seen them too, where people have said, when is the pre-sale start for – um, the, uh, Facebook or Facebook, the, uh, the Moto America live plus streaming application. Do you, do you know the answer to that yet? Or am I putting you on the spot too much? No, 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 you're fine. Um, Chuck's in the office this week, actually Chuck Axlin and we're, that'll all be buttoned up this week and all the information will be released and we can start taking, taking their money. It's kind of nice. I, I got, I get phone calls and emails all the time. Like, Hey, I wanted to, I want to buy this. What? Yeah, I want to give you my money, and you know, I, we're obviously all for taking money, so um, <laughs> we're, we're going to get that sorted out and and uh, and let people know this week. So I'm kind of excited about it. It's it's going to be cool. We've uh, yeah, the response great. to that has just been incredible. It's 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 seriously, it's like, hey, I want to give you my money. How do I do it? Kind of a thing, which is all you can right. ask for. Pretty great. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's really cool that, that the Moto uh, America guys listened to what the fans wanted and they actually went out and did it. You know, that just really shows how committed they are to, to actually growing the uh, the sports and pushing it forward. Yeah, we mostly just raised the money from not paying Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I no, just, he doesn't I know just, that I, yet. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just the money's good. I'm just compensated by my enthusiasm. That's all it is. So it's all go. good with me. <laughs> all right. With that, I think we'll wrap this thing up and let uh, let Skulty get back to work. But um, Matthew, we appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing you down in, in Road Atlanta. It seems like a long time since we've seen you. And it's always nice to see your smiling face. So we look forward to that. No, I mean, likewise, guys. And you know, while I'm on the air, I would just like to really thank the Westby team, you know, They've been really great, you know. They they listened to me last year and got the the the, the parts that I, I felt necessary to propel us to the front, you know. And not just that, to to you know, Trig, you know, he's he's been like a, a second father to me, and he's uh, made sure that everything's worked out for me, you know, helped me with my visa and stuff to actually get me here. And I'm living the absolute dream, you know. Maybe three years back, I was waitering tables and stuff, and you know, I, I kind of gave up on my motorcycle dream. And you know, now um, I've probably got one of the most factory bikes out there. You know, so things are really looking good for me. You know, so just thank you to everyone that's that's really supported me and helped me get to this to this point. What a gentleman! That's terrific. He's awesome. I got to say, yeah. yeah sure. Thank you. Thanks, Matthew, for being on with us, and you know, thanks, Paul. This this was a good one. Yeah, thanks, thanks so to much, all guys. Our listeners. Appreciate you big time.
Yeah. Thanks to all our listeners and uh, however you're you're choosing to get this podcast, keep doing it, keep listening and subscribe. And uh, as always, they come out on Saturday morning. So um, until next week, you guys take care of yourselves and be safe. And uh, we'll chat again, Matthew. Cheers, guys. Keep okay, see you. Okay.